This morning we're going to continue in our series in Luke, and so I just want to encourage you, if you would, uh, to go ahead and, if you have your Bibles, to go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 6. And this morning we're going to be dealing with the Sabbath, but when you think about rest and we think about this term, the Sabbath, there's lots of things that we think about rest. And I, I know in, in my life, one of those things has been to constantly want to rest and find myself constantly doing the things that prevent rest. And I was reading a book a while back ago. I thought, you know, I'm going to see, I've seen some of the new, more current books on rest. I'd love to see what the, the, the books on rest were 50, 60 years ago. So I was excited to dive into this book. I had grabbed it from my, my grandfather's library when he had left, and I had left when he passed away. Uh, I guess that's leaving. Um, and, and so I had taken it from his shelf, and I started reading through it, and I slowly began looking at there was a different mentality to rest. And as it came up very quickly and early in the book, and, uh, and so I'm a guy, as some of you know, that for years, probably to the great detriment of my own health, I could function on five hours of sleep or three hours of sleep. Four was the sweet spot that killed me. And anything that was more than that was helpful. Anything that was less than that was fine. Okay? And that's just how I lived my life. It was, that's the way it went. And I, I thought that rest was kind of one of those things that was, eh, it was overrated. And, and so for really, truly, for 20 years of my adult life, um, that is something that it was just kind of a part of who I was. I think I've learned better since then how to rest and the importance of rest. But as I read this, this, this book, the individual who writes the book says, here's what I would encourage you to do. To be more productive and to remain restful, simply sleep one hour less than you already do a week. And in so doing, you will gain eight hours a week, which is one full day to your week. And I thought, ah, this is not what you want to be telling me, right? (laughs) That this is not how we want to rest. Well, Sabbath rest is different. What Christ is calling us to in the Sabbath, what the Lord has called us to in the Sabbath, is not simply physical rest. And the Scripture actually makes it clear what the point of the Sabbath is. That there is a rest that is found uniquely in Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning and looking at how we rest, but more importantly, how we rest spiritually in Jesus. Why it is that Jesus is our Sabbath. So let's go ahead and stand this morning as we look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 11. And this is what it says. It says, on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Lord God, as we look at your scripture this morning, at your word this morning, we are thankful, God, that you are the fulfillment of the law. We are thankful that our rest is found in you and not in our striving. Lord, our hearts this morning may be busy, may be active, our minds may be turning and thinking. I pray, Father, that you would calm our hearts and minds this morning, that you would steady them, that you would speak to each of our hearts. We cling to the promise, Lord, that your word will not return void. And we ask that it would not return void in our hearts this morning. That we would truly mean, know what it means to rest in you. Father, may we find joy in your love and in your mercy. Lord, move me to the back. And Father, I ask that you would be up front. And we just ask these things in your name. Amen. Simply put, Sabbath rest is found in the love and mercy of Jesus as Lord. Sabbath rest is found in the love and mercy of Jesus as Lord. Rest found in Lord. That's what we're looking at this morning, that rest is found in Christ. Now, similar to the latter part of Luke 5, Jesus is continuing to establish himself as the new way. Salvation through his grace, not the law. And Luke 5.38 reminds us that new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. He didn't come to patch up or fix the law. He came as the fulfillment of the law, the one who comes and actually fulfills the law in totality. As we shared earlier, the law is designed not to save. The law is designed to show us our inability to be righteous, our need for someone else to be righteous on our behalf. Jesus comes as that fulfillment. He fulfills the law perfectly and completely without sin. That's how he fulfills the law. He carries out the law perfectly on our behalf. And so Jesus doesn't come to fix the law, to patch it up. He comes to establish a new way. 
And as we saw last week, he establishes this new way, and in so doing, he's moving us right into this next area, showing us a part of this new way. How he is the new way. How he is our rest. Now in verses 1-2, through we're told, on a Sabbath, while he, that is Jesus, was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath? Now, the Pharisees have been growing increasingly agitated with Jesus. They consider themselves the, the keepers of Judaism, the keepers of Judaistic doctrine, and breaking the Sabbath was a big deal. It was. It was a big deal because it's one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, in Exodus 31, 12 through 17, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall, be kept, shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. It was a sign. The Sabbath was a sign of the covenant that God made between him and Moses. Just like Noah and the rainbow. Just like Abraham and circumcision. The Sabbath was a sign of the Mosaic covenant. It was to signal that these were God's people. Deuteronomy 5.15 continues, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what was the purpose of the Sabbath? The Sabbath was given to Israel as a covenant sign. It was supposed to remind them of God's perfect creation in the garden, the result of sin in their lives, His deliverance, from a land of slavery in Egypt and their need for redemption. That was the point of Sabbath. Sabbath has become so many other things. In fact, we kind of use this terminology at times as an excuse, right? We kind of confuse it. I need to take a Sabbath, so that means I need to, to avoid all work and all interaction today with anyone, right? I remember years ago, and I can say this now because the person has deceased and, and passed on, but a wonderful uh, person in Christ that I had spent time with, and I remember early getting to know her, and she would, she would simply tell me that she had gone to the doctor, and the doctor had told her that she needed to rest. She needed to rest because she worked during the week, and she needed to have rest. 
And so because she also worked on Saturday around her home, she needed to have rest. Therefore, she could not fellowship with believers on Sundays because she needed that day to rest. And then she pulled out the aspect of the Sabbath. I need to have the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not designed to keep you from the things of the Lord. In fact, quite the contrary. It was actually supposed to focus you on the fact that in the Lord, you were free to do these things as they drew your attention to Him. To His perfect creation, to our sin, to God's deliverance, and our need for redemption. That was the point of the Sabbath. And so when the Sabbath, or when the Sabbath is used or described as something that pulls us away from serving Christ in the way that Jesus wants us to, that's not Sabbath. That's deception. The Sabbath is actually designed to point us to God. It's an intentional time that was set apart for the Israelites as a covenant sign so that they might reflect on their need for God and what God had done for them. Now, it was really designed to bring about spiritual restoration, not simply physical rest. You ever notice that when you're spiritually restored that your body responds to? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't use wise principles. If God rested on the seventh day, we should be a restful people. But the issue was that was not what was at hand there. More than that, the Pharisees, because of the severity of the Sabbath law, where it said that if somebody broke the Sabbath law, that they might die, they began to make a fence around the Sabbath. I mean, we kind of do this in all kinds of ways, don't we? We put a fence around our purity. What do I mean? Good things, a good fence for me, may not be a good fence for you. But the problem with the fence is the fence can sometimes become the law. That if you cross the fence, now you're sinful. When in fact, actually, you haven't gotten to the sin yet. The Pharisees decided to build a fence, and this fence was quite large. In fact, according to Philip Graham, the Mishnah contains at least 39 different kinds of work at this period of time that were forbidden, including reaping, threshing, winnowing, and preparing food that all would have made you a lawbreaker on Sabbath. Alan Carr provides a few more from the Talmud. Let me read and share with you a few of those. People were forbidden from traveling more than 3,000 feet from their homes on the Sabbath. A Jew could not carry an object that weighed more than a dried fig, but an object that weighed half that amount could be carried twice. If the Sabbath came upon you as you were reaching out for some food, you'd have to drop the food before you pulled your arm back. Otherwise, you'd be guilty of carrying a burden on the Sabbath. A fire could not be lit or extinguished. If you failed to light your lamps before the Sabbath, you had to sit in the dark until the next evening. 
A woman could not look into a looking glass because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it out. No joke. False teeth could not be worn because they exceeded weight limits. A Jewish tailor could not carry a needle on the Sabbath lest he be tempted to mend a torn garment. If a Jew was injured on the Sabbath, it was unlawful to make him better. You could only give him enough treatment to keep him alive. This was the fence. This is what they put around the Sabbath. Now think about that. Think about the ridiculousness of this law. Think about the burden that that law was placing upon the Jews. Because Jesus and his disciples then violated their rules, they equated their rules with God's law. And that's why they asked, why are you doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath? Now notice, the disciples had come, they had plucked, and they ate some heads of grain, and they rubbed it in their hands which was the threshing that was taking place and the winnowing and the preparing of food. In essence, they had violated three of the Pharisees' additions to the law. What a burden. See, the Sabbath had become burdensome when it was supposed to be a time of restoration. It was focused on spiritual performance rather than spiritual renewal. The very thing that was supposed to renew them now had become a heavy burden. And so Jesus immediately points them back to Scripture and ultimately that He is the true source of the Sabbath. That He is the true source of Sabbath rest. Now notice what it says. Notice His answer. He says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat and also gave it to those with him? Jesus immediately confronts the Pharisees and he confronts them directly with Scripture. See, in this passage of 2 Samuel 21, David is on the run. He's hiding from the king. He's got his men. He runs in and he meets with the priest Ahimelech. And he's hungry. And Ahimelech says, I don't have any food for you. But David says, what about the, the bread of presence? The table's already been set. What about that? And the truth is, is that every Sabbath, 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel would be set out. It was a symbol of God's continual fellowship with Israel. The priests would share in the bread as a sign of the ongoing fellowship with God. And yet Ahimelech understood the purpose of the Sabbath. He understood what was greater on the Sabbath. He understood that loving mercy actually fulfills the Sabbath. It fulfills the law. If you recall for a moment, Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40, here's what it says. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And Jesus said to him, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Ahimelech understood what the purpose of the Sabbath was. He understood that it was fulfilled in the love and mercy of God. And that is what Jesus is pointing out to these Pharisees, that they have missed the point of the Sabbath. Galatians 5.14 goes on, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The Sabbath was to be a time that pointed to their need for redemption. To see God's unique love for them. It wasn't to be a time to avoid work. That people mattered, met needs, matter more than the ritual. One pastor puts it this way. He says, in the end, it will not matter what I say. It will not matter what I believe. All that will matter is what the Bible says. Many times our problem is the same problem the Pharisees have. We've taken the, we, we haven't taken the time to read it for ourselves, and we swallow the slop we're fed and call it good. That's what happened with the Pharisees. They'd come up with their own law, but they had not gone back to the Scriptures. The Scripture must define our relationship with Jesus We're not called to be legalists. We're not called to be legalists. We're to be walking in the freedom that Jesus has called us to. In your families, have you made it clear that the choices that you make for your families, that there is freedom for other families to make different choices? Have you shared that those choices are just as viable for their families? Or have you made your family the spiritual law? Your expectations as a family the spiritual law? There's lots of good things. Lots of good principles. But do we make those principles law? Do we require them and require them of others when they are not required by God? When we do that, we create an unnatural burden for us. You see, God wants us to be able to rest in His loving provision. He wants us to rest in His loving provision. Why can I rest in his grace? Because we're told here that Jesus, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. That means that he's my rest. Where's my next meal going to come from? I have to rest in God's love and his provision that he is the provider. He knows what I need. When I see others in need, when I serve others, I don't get the excuse to simply say, well, today's my Sabbath. 
I need to actually look and say, well, maybe there is somebody else who can meet that need, and that's okay. But if God is calling me, I need to step out in that. You see, we rest because it is God's loving provision that sustains us. We go to him. He's the one that comes underneath. He's the one that works in our life. He's the one that sanctifies us. It's not keeping the law that sanctifies us. It's Jesus sanctifying us. Now verse 5, when he says here that I am Lord, that I am Lord of the Sabbath, or the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He knew exactly what he was saying to the Pharisees. He's saying here, guess what? The reason this is true is because I'm God. Now you can imagine the Pharisees right now, their heads are spinning. But sometimes I think the Pharisees get a bad rap. I mean, for sure they're walking in hardness of heart. But how many times have our own rules and our own expectations blinded us to what is best? How many times has our own self-righteousness kept us from seeing the truth? You see, Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath nullifies the requirement of a specific day. But it is to be established in Him daily. Jesus, as Lord of the Sabbath, nullifies the requirement of a specific day, but is to be established in Him daily. What does that mean? It means this, that while Jesus comes in and He is our Sabbath, that no longer are we bound to a specific day, our rest should be constantly found in Him. We should be constantly at a place of coming to the Lord and resting in Him, being reminded that it is His loving provision that is at work within our life. That the law is not what makes us righteous, but it is Christ alone. Colossians 2, 16-17 points out, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Sabbath day was to point to a future in which we had eternal rest. And today we get to experience rest in Christ it is fulfilled in Jesus, and one day that rest will be utterly complete. Not in death, but in life. Here's the thing. You think you're exhausted now, worn down by things of life? Death does not resolve that. The only thing that resolves that is life and life in Christ. We think of separation from God and death as this kind of go and rest in peace. The truth is there is no rest apart from God. There is no rest in hell. 
only torment. The only place of rest is found in Christ, in life, in Christ, through His life, so that we might have eternal life and eternal rest with Him. Jesus is the new way. He has authority over the Sabbath because He is our Sabbath. Romans 14.5 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Here's what it's saying. You may still feel like you need to take a Sabbath. And like I said, we, we mentioned that God takes a Sabbath, and we would be wise to follow His model. But it's not an issue of sin. The law has not been broken because in Christ it's already been fulfilled. And it needs to be settled in our own heart and mind. That's what he's saying. And for those, there are other believers who believe that the Sabbath is to be kept exactly as it was 2,000 years ago. What the Bible is saying here is do not violate your conscience. So if you cling to that, if that's still the belief, don't violate your conscience. And as one to another, we are to honor that. But Galatians teaches us this. That we are not to then just give in to the weaker brother. We are to walk in the better way. And so the conviction being... We walk out the truth, not in a divisive manner, but in the way that the God has revealed it. And so may it be for us that we recognize that Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath nullifies the requirement of a specific day, but is to be established in Him every single day. That we go to Him and rest in Him because of His loving provision. Well, we're then told on another Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. Once again, the Pharisees have come to set a trap for Jesus. We see this first aspect of Sabbath rest in Christ, this spiritual restoration found in him that we can rest because He's our source of loving provision. Not only is He our source of loving provision, but He then instructs us that as we look at the law, that it is fulfilled in loving Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and demonstrating that same love to others, but He is the one who equips us to do so. In fact, Galatians 5.14 makes it clear that the only way that we can love our neighbor as ourself is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Otherwise, it is often a selfish love. And so we see this second piece here. We see this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath 
with the Pharisees looking right after him, saying, listen, if you heal him, we will accuse you. Now here's my favorite part. Ironically, it's not the healing part. Verse 8 tells us, but he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with a withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. His instruction brings to mind Matthew eleven twenty eight. Does it not of come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Jesus calls us, each one of us, to come to him. He wants to give us rest. All those who are heavy laden, weighed down with life, weighed down with sin, come to me and I will give you rest. Come and I will give you rest. That same call is a call to us. You're burdened with sin. Here's what he's saying. Come to me. I will give you rest. Stop striving. Submit to me. Be obedient to me. Let me lead you. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your Savior. All you who are heavy laden and burdened, come to me. And he says to this man with the wizard hand, come stand here. He brings him near. And then notice Jesus' response. And he said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? One of their laws, again, remember, they couldn't do anything but help sustain life. That was part of the Jewish law on the Sabbath. The Pharisees had added to the law. You can't do anything except preserve life. Anything else is a sin. Oh, so this Jesus guy, we're not looking at whether or not he actually just healed this man's hand and what that actually might say about who Jesus is. We just want to be law keepers. That's it. All we want to do is be law keepers. Ever been there? Ever been there with your own children? Where your children have broken the rules that you've set up in your house, but there was something greater happening spiritually that you failed to, to see because the only thing you were focused on was compliance? We've all been there. We've all seen times where our children have broke rules, and then we step back and we go, well, God was doing something different there that I missed in the moment. The Pharisees miss what's happening this moment. They fail to see the withered hand healed. All they're concerned about is that Jesus doesn't heal on this day. Think about that for a minute. We're waiting for this man to heal a hand, and if he does, he's a lawbreaker. Isn't that wacky? But our blindness is wacky. And that's why spiritual blindness makes us fools. That's what the scripture tells us. It makes us fools. So Jesus says, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? 
Now, Bob Deffenbaugh paraphrases this really well. He says, really, it's a question where he's asking, is the Sabbath given to make men miserable or is it given as a source of blessing? Is the Sabbath given for man's blessing or to be a burden? Is the Sabbath the time for doing good or is the Sabbath the time for doing evil? He confronts them directly saying, what is the point of the Sabbath? If the Sabbath is making people miserable, it's not having the intended purpose that God meant for it. It was to bring joy. It was to bring spiritual restoration and rejuvenation. It was to bring spiritual renewal. And here's my favorite part. We're told, and after looking around at them, all... He said to him, stretch out your hand. Jesus knew what was coming. And he looked every single one of them in the eye. And unashamedly and without wavering, healed this man. He did not let fear prevent him from demonstrating to all of them who he is. His fear did not prevent him from showing his merciful restoration of this man. Here's the thing. God is not ashamed of you. When you come to him, he offers you his merciful restoration every single time. You can rest knowing that in his mercy, it is God's desire through Christ to restore you. And he is the one doing that restorative work. Why can I rest? Because when I simply submit to Christ and I obey Him, He begins the restorative process. It's why we can see victory over sin in our life as we just simply submit to Him. And we stand back and go, man, that is not who I was a year and a half ago. And it wasn't because I was striving harder, it was because I was submitting to Him. My life becomes about submitting to him. What does he ask of the man? He doesn't say, get up, wash your hands, run around, dance around. Oh, by the way, you need to pay me back in six months. He simply says, come and stand here. And then he says, stretch out your hand. Now, this man knew being healed would also bring the ire of these Pharisees. And yet he stretches out his hand and he receives the merciful restoration of Jesus. Jesus wanted the Pharisees to know that he truly was and is the Messiah. And Jesus wanted the Pharisees to know that his merciful restoration was actually a fulfillment of the law, not a breaking of the law. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, 
For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, what we see now is the beginning of a significant period of time in which the Pharisees will be looking to bring Jesus' life to an end. We're told in verse 11, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. If Kevin had an ailment and we watched Kevin healed of that ailment, that would lead us to rejoicing. It wouldn't lead us to fury. But self-righteousness will make us hostile to the Sabbath rest of Jesus. Self-righteousness will make us hostile to the Sabbath rest of Jesus. When we're self-righteous, we got to work real hard, don't we? Real hard to maintain our image and our perception, to hold things right, to feel like we can do it ourselves. That's the essence of self-righteousness is that we have made ourselves righteous and in so doing we present ourselves not in the light that we really are but in a light that we desire to be in ourself that self-righteousness is rooted in pride and it makes us hostile to Jesus it makes us hostile to rest Ever had somebody challenging you and saying that they encouraging you in your spiritual walk with Christ and you find yourself defensive? I want to encourage you, don't find it defensive. Set down the self-righteous spirit that says, I just can't do anymore. And simply say, Lord, I need to submit to you. See, the Pharisees missed it because all they were concerned about was being keepers of the law, doing it in their self. They saw themselves as wholly and completely able to bring about their own salvation, to bring about their own happiness, to bring about their own joy, to bring about their own fulfillment. And it blinded them to the true source of rest. You see, Christ has provided us rest. And this Sabbath, which was designed to point to a future rest in God eternally, is found in Jesus. And this rest brings loving provision and merciful restoration, not of our own doing, but of His, which means that I can step back and say, God, in my imperfections, as I submit to You, You are working them through. And, O oh Lord, on those days where I feel weak and I don't have the strength, You are going to lovingly provide. And, O oh God, You're going to meet my needs when they're there. And, O oh God, in the areas of my life I need healing most when I fail, you are merciful to restore me. 
This is a wonderful picture of Jesus, isn't it? A rest that actually is restful. A spiritual rest that's no longer in striving, but is found in Christ. John Piper sums it up well. He says, Christ's first coming did not abolish rest. It ushered in a deeper kind of rest than the Sabbath could ever offer. The world and the devil would have us work even while we rest. But Jesus would have us rest even while we work. And here in this Christ-saturated resting and working, we live out the Sabbath today. May that be our prayer this morning, is that we are a people who rest in His loving provision and His merciful restoration and then carrying that and demonstrating that to those who are in our influence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful love and mercy of your Sabbath rest. As you are Lord, Father, we rejoice. We rejoice in being comforted, knowing that it is not our work that redeems, but it is solely and wholly your work which redeems. God, may we be a restful people. May we be a people who are submitted to you in all things. And Father, may we be a people who come to you, who stand in your presence, who are committed to obedience in you, and seek your word and truth. May we not be a people who add things that put burdens on others or burdens on ourselves, and may we experience the freedom that you desire for us in Jesus. And we ask this in your name. Amen.